Welcome to The Howler. Your look at the state of Wolfpack athletics. Now here are your hosts, Ethan Berry and Thomas Overton. Welcome back. Another week, another edition of The Howler. Ethan Berry, Thomas Overton alongside you, BJ Terrian on the intro and the outro once again as he is every week. Thomas, it's the last week of... Uh, I was going to say, like, the regular season, but it's like, it kind of is. It's the last week of regular school for us, and then uh, exams start next week. How's it going? Yeah, last week of class, I'm, uh, I've am i got two tests tomorrow, so instead of having class, they're like, oh, just take the test. So no class tomorrow. A few, a few to wrap up Thursday and only one final. That's kind of nice. I, yeah. That'll probably never happen again. It hasn't happened. I know it won't happen again. So you yeah. take what you can get this late in the semester, you know. That's the way to go. Classes without finals. That's right. That's it. Um, so we'll talk a little bit about uh, the football win over ECU. Emphasis on a little bit because I really don't think there's that much to talk about. Um, and then we'll talk about uh, some other football things. Uh, probably touch on some basketball, men's and women's. Uh, but we'll go ahead and start uh, with the win over ECU. And Thomas, I'll tell you what. I don't have a whole lot to say about this game. ECU is very bad at football, and they didn't care, and NC State beat them like they should. Yeah, no first-string quarterback for the Pirates. I mean, uh, uh, they just had a rough day, especially at the quarterback position. Went down two more, and finally I, the kid from Clayton, I already forgot his name. I do apologize. He was a walk-on, yeah. Yeah, he completed one pass, though. Um, you know, only four first downs in the entire game for East Carolina. It was either two, it was at least one, maybe two there at the very end, the long run yeah. uh, that gave up the field goal. Uh, 32 first downs for State, that that just about tells it, four to 32, That that's about it. Yeah, yeah. Holton Allers is their starting quarterback, and he was really highly regarded out of out of high school, and uh, NC State actually wanted him, um, but he's from Greenville and elect, elected to stay home and play for ECU. He didn't play. Um, and this was just his freshman year, and he, he played well when he was um, when he did play this year. So I'm sure he'll be the starter next year. Um, but, yeah, like you said, uh, Reed Herring started and then got hurt. And during the first quarter, I could just tell, like, NC State's guys were just bigger, faster, stronger than ECU's. And you saw ECU, ECU had players go down. It's, it felt like every single play. Yeah, I was getting a, a lot of plays in a row there. Uh, State's conditioning, obviously, far superior to, to most teams they play. A yeah. great job by the coaching staff, and especially against East Carolina on Saturday. Uh, you just felt like uh, Dave Dorn wasn't going to lose to them again. Definitely not, no. especially with the season they've had. But we do have to give them a lot of credit. You know, they obviously – they probably knew they weren't going to make a bowl even when they scheduled the game and knew they didn't have to play it, and they decided to play it anyway. Yeah. So hats off to them for doing that. No, that's a good point. I mean, they didn't have to play the game. Right. Like, they – they could have easily folded up the tent like UNC Chapel Hill did and just said, nope, we're good this year. Um, and they didn't. They gave State an extra win, which uh, is looks good. You know, the difference between eight and nine wins is pretty big, I yes. think, especially when you can if you can get a tenth in the uh, in the bowl game. Um, I just find it odd, I guess, that you signed up to play the game and it's your your big rivalry game. And we know how ECU always looks at these games against the ACC schools in the state, and they just – they were disinterested, and I guess I get it because your head coach had just been fired. Your starting quarterback's out. I guess I get it, but at the same time, like where where was the pl- rest of the players didn't have pride, or didn't they didn't play with pride? I guess if that makes sense. Yeah, I was definitely like 
I wasn't worried about State not playing well. I was worried about it being a close game and seeing oh, how I for State sure was going to respond. Be just because I didn't think State played well in Chapel Hill as well as they should have. Right. And they seem to play a little bit down to other teams' potential. We've seen that a little bit. So just because it's East Carolina, it's a rivalry game, I thought it was going to be close. And when the score too. was 27 to nothing at halftime, I was just blown away. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I didn't think it would be close, but I thought – I mean, I think I had 41-17 state, which, I mean, it's not too bad. Right. Especially when you're without your starting quarterback. I think I was in there also. So, But um, – I'll tell you what, first thing I thought of during the game is I'm I'm concerned about starting the season against them next year. Right. Because State just – I mean, State just ran up the score. I don't, I don't want to say ran up the score, but they – State obliterated them. I don't think ran up the score is the right thing to say because, I mean, what are you supposed to do, take a knee? Right. So they just kept running the ball, and, and it kept working. I mean, Woody Cornwell scored on a, on a read option. So that's your walk-on senior quarterback. What do you suggest? Not – him take a knee, you know, I just don't get it. But, you know, Allers is going to be ready to go next year, and they're going to have Mike Houston, who was the coach at JMU and just got hired at ECU. So that – I'm not going to lie. I'm a little more concerned about this first game of next season than I was before oh, this year. Definitely, especially – I mean, it's the first game, and you never know what you're going to get. Who knows? State doesn't know who's going to lose personnel-wise or right. coaching-wise or any of those things. There would be a lot of question marks. There always is the first game. And the way that, you know, East Carolina, it's their, it's their next game. They already know it's their next game, and they can spend the entire spring and summer preparing for that. I think they're going to be ready, or at least more ready than they were Saturday, so we'll see. Yeah, I think it's going to be a dogfight, and you throw in the fact that State's not going to know who their quarterback is. Right. So, you know, I, I still think State will win that game, but I think it's going to be tough. Yeah. I mean, just looking at the rest of ECU's roster – you know, the last couple of years when ECU and State have played, like, the difference in size and physical ability, it wasn't always that big of a difference. But on Saturday, it was it was, it was, was evident. I'm not yeah. sure ECU had one player who would start for State, honestly. I mean, I don't know their roster that well, but just from the looks of it on Saturday, I don't know that there's one. And that's not going to change in eight months when they play again. So... You know, that makes me feel a little better despite, you know, all that State's going to lose. But um, what did you think about – I know a lot of people got upset at Dave Doran, and there's there's lots of fans from other schools who are upset with Dave Doran. And I, and I thought um, – one thing that somebody said to me was regarding the Garrett Bradbury touchdown. Right. When Dabo does it with a defensive lineman, everybody loves it. Right. But then when State does it, it's like you're running up the score and you're just a terrible sport. And I thought that was a really good point. You did? Yeah. Do you not agree? I mean, I think that's how the at least the conference kind of sees it. You know, I th from what I've been told is a lot of people don't like Dave Doran. Just a his, lot of His people. personality and the way he comes across, uh, comes across I think his comments – his comments on Saturday, though, post-game, how he was frustrated when uh, that he got the, what do you call it, the pirate hook. Pirate hook. I've never you seen know, that. State, Dave Doran's 0-2 against East Carolina, now 1-2. And, and uh, he looked like he was having some fun Saturday. He definitely wanted to beat him. I don't I don't mind his comments really at all. I don't either. I mean, it's a rivalry game, an in-state rivalry game, where there's a lot of history, if you know, about State and East Carolina back when Jimmy V was athletic director. And you can go read about all that, and it's really interesting. And the two schools just don't like each other, and no one that wears purple likes anyone in red and the other way around. 
And I think what Dave said, like most state fans would probably agree, they were probably sick and tired of hearing East Carolina fans talk about how they've won since yes. it's been ten years yeah. since state had beaten East Carolina. I mean, that's that's incredible since you've had Russell Wilson, and I guess Glennon. Glennon didn't play him, but still. Oh, okay. 2013, whoever started that season in November. That doesn't count. Yeah, okay, sure, you can say <laughs> I that. I think that was like Pete Thomas or something. Yeah, because Brandon Mitchell got hurt. But still, 10 years that State hasn't beaten East Carolina, I think I think everything's off the table besides you're allowed to run up the score if you haven't won in 10 years, and you're allowed to say pretty much almost what you want in a rivalry game, okay, in my opinion. I don't think they ran up the score. No, like, but uh, that's what other people say. So I don't think they ran it up either. I mean – just because East Carolina couldn't stop State's offense doesn't mean that they exactly. ran up the score. So. And, like, they were talking about, oh, State had their starters in. Well, State didn't have starters in on the offensive line. No. Because one starter was out, Josh Fed Jackson. The two tackles were suspended. And Prescott went out during the game. So State's whole offensive line was in and out the whole game. Then State only has two only had one scholarship running back available, Reggie Gillespie. Right. Because Trent Penix is redshirting and Ricky Person was hurt. So they didn't have another running back. And Kelvin Harmon didn't play in the second half. Jermaine Pratt didn't really play in the second half. I think he might have played like a, a series or two. But State, I mean, State, by the time the fourth quarter had ended, State had gone through the backups and had gone to the backups' backups. Right. Like there were freshman walk ons out there who had you would have never dreamed would see the field. That's right. So the idea that State didn't pull their starters is ridiculous. And Yeah, I don't buy the narrative that State ran up score. I was just saying that, like, in a rivalry game, it, it could be considered acceptable. Right. And, I mean, I think there was an argument that Finley was left in too long. Well, the backup quarterback scored a touchdown, and then they put in another backup quarterback. So clearly it wasn't too much time. And I think when Gillespie had that big run, what was it, like an 80-something yard? I think it was 86. 86-yard 86 touchdown? Right. Well, State was backed up against the goal line. Right. And I think that was why Finley was still in the game, because they were backed up against the end zone. They didn't want to – I'm pretty sure he was still in the game. I might be wrong. I think he was. He was still in the game. But was, yeah, if he okay. was, it was because they were so close to the goal line, right. I guess, and you don't want to – You don't want to give up points when you're on – You know. Yeah, you don't want a mishandled snap or something. So anyway, I think that about covers it from the game. Uh, I mean, at the end of the day, if you're an ECU fan, you just you just gotta play better. I mean, when you get beat fifty-eight to three, you can't you can't get upset at the other team for doing something because you just got smoked. Right. And I felt the same way after State lost to Clemson. Like State got taunted a lot that game, uh, especially from the fans, and that's fine. State deserved it. They right. were terrible that day. Agreed. So um, anyway, moving on, the Gator Bowl. Yeah. Uh, Texas A&M, what are your initial thoughts on that? Just right right off the top of your right head. Right off the bat. I mean, you see Texas A&M and you're like, I feel like they're going to score a lot of points. And then you see some of State's, State's passing defense hasn't played as well as I thought it would this year, uh, especially in the second half of the season. So off of that, you're kind of like, uh, how many points is, is Texas A&M going to be able to score against State? And are they going to slow them down at all? Because I think I think in this game – your defense is going to mean more than your offense because I think the offense is going to play well no matter what. But the defense's ability to slow down the Aggies' offense, it's going to be the game changer. Uh, Kellen Mond, you know, and his wide receivers are all good. So. They got some good wide receivers. Yeah. They're big, too, and and they're going to be cause a matchup issue. I went and looked at Texas A&M's schedule, and I think they got a lot of credit for playing Alabama right. 
relatively close. I mean, they lost by three touchdowns, and they only lost by two to Clemson, which is impressive. But yes. at the same time, that Clemson team they played at the beginning of the season is not the same one that is that dominated the ACC this year. It just right. wasn't even close. I mean, you still had Kelly Bryant was starting over Trevor Lawrence, and the, the irony is Clemson probably loses that game if not for Kelly Bryant. But you get what I'm saying. It was a completely different team, right? And um, completely different Clemson team. So I mean, if Al- if Texas A&M and Clemson played again tomorrow, I guarantee you it's not a two point game, right? So um, I think they got a lot of credit for that. Then I looked at the rest of their schedule, and it's, and you just kind of look at it, and you're like, oh, okay. I think they they beat Arkansas by one touchdown. Arkansas won two games. Uh, Texas A&M went to overtime twice and won twi- and won both. So I mean that's two coin flip games that both went your way right there. Yep. Um, and then I believe they had a couple other losses. They just won a lot of really close games, and yep. to me that doesn't. They played a much tougher schedule than NC State, but at the same time, like if you're winning close games, that's not very, really indicative of a great team, I guess if that makes sense. Yeah, I'm kind of looking at now. The only teams they blew out of the water were. Uh, University of Alabama, Birmingham, and Northwestern State, and UAB. Louisiana, Monroe. So, so they the biggest SEC win was by two touchdowns over Ole Miss. Okay, yeah. So, to me, that's not. I mean, and I mean, they played other teams. South Carolina's not very good. Kentucky's solid, but they're not great. Arkansas is terrible, um, and then they lost to Auburn, who's eh. So, I guess I mean they're eight and four, but I feel like they're they're ranked nineteenth because they almost beat at Clemson and they didn't get obliterated by Alabama. Right. This the Kentucky win looks good just because Kentucky's got a thirteen next to it. I think they I don't know how many spots they moved up after beating LSU in seven overtimes. I mean after seven overtimes, I think after three they should just call it a tie. You know what I'm saying? No, it's they tough shouldn't. To say. They shouldn't call it a tie. But at the same time, yeah. it's a coin flip game. Yes, agreed. Like, I mean. So there's so many different plays that have to go your way, and they're definitely an explosive team, and they've got the experience, and I think they're going to score points. I mean, they're scoring in the 30s, yeah, most games. So I'm not shaking in my boots, is my point. Right. I no. mean, they're they're good. Yeah. But I mean, they're not great, and they're a very beatable team. Um, and the other thing that that I thought about is, you know, on paper, right off the bat, I'm thinking NC State probably loses a close one here, but is it just me or during bowl season, a lot of bowl games, one team just doesn't even bother to show up and yeah. they just get rolled? I feel that happens a lot. I mean, states win. The last two wins, uh, Arizona State and Vanderbilt, I felt that happened to both of those teams. I f- I, my point being, I could see Texas A&M, te- Texas A&M not. I don't want to predict a team's not going to show up. Right. But I could absolutely see that scenario where Texas A&M just looks disinterested. Yeah. And state not rolls them, but wins comfortably. Um, but we'll see. I mean, I think a good Texas A&M team, if a good version of it shows up, then you'll then we'll see. And they've won a lot of close games this year, so they're going to be they're going to have that advantage if it's close in the fourth quarter. Um, so we'll we'll do some predictions on the game next week. But I I guess I feel confident. I think it's going to be a really good yeah. game. I don't think either team's going to be looking back saying. Oh, uh, we lost by 30 points. Why in the world are we even the bother showing up? So, uh, I think it's all good. for state. Mm, I don't know. It's tough to see if they're gonna s- decide to try to run the ball anymore.
without Hartman? I don't think so. I think they'll stick to the game plan. Well, the Texas A&M's running defense is the strength of the defense, yeah, for sure. Okay. So, um, but I mean, we'll see. I, and it's the thing is, it's a chance for a signature win for NC State. Yeah. A lot of people are knocking NC State's schedule, and you know, NC State fans are like, "Well, why are we not ranked? We're nine and three. Well, you look at the schedule, and I mean, I think not being ranked is a valid question. Why are you not ranked is a valid question, but. At the end of the day, the schedule's really, really bad. Yeah. Um, so, we'll see. This is a chance for, for a signature win, I would say. I mean, people – here's the thing. It's a double-edged sword because if you don't win, people are going to be like, well, you didn't beat a good team all year. If you do win, people are going to be, well, your best win was against an 8-5 and five Texas A&M team. Right. So, they're good right now, but what if they lose? Then they're going to be unranked, and it's not going to count for much. So – you get what I'm saying? Like, Texas A&M wins, they might be in the top 15. Right. If they lose, they're out of the top 25. So it's a lose-lose situation if you're talking about NC State getting a quality win. Yeah. Agreed. But they still have that chance to get to that elusive 10 wins. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think that's been in the back of people's minds for years, especially Dave Dorns. He's always talked about it, and he really wants to get there. So I think they'll be ready. Long break. I mean, not yeah. till New Year's Eve. I don't remember last time State played a game that late. So. Probably the Gator Bowl. Yeah. How yeah. about that? So funny how that happens. Yeah. So I agree. Tenth win would be uh, would be huge. Uh, Kelvin Harmon's going pro. No surprise. Good for him. Um, definitely the right call. Um, not playing in the bowl game. Definitely the right call. Um, I think he's going to be a first rounder. Yeah. Uh, I'd be surprised if he's not. I mean, I remember watching him as freshman year, and I was like, this. This guy's going to the NFL. Yeah, he just made some insane grabs. Uh, what? I guess that was Finley's first year back there at quarterback, and you're like, who's this number three kid? He's just jumping over people in the end zone, yeah. bringing them down. Then it only took like two games, and everybody knew his name, and he seemed to be one of Finley's favorite, at least outside targets, just the way he he's going to compete for every jump ball. I think the NFL scouts are really like that. If yep. a quarterback can just throw it up, and he's probably going to get it at seven, eight times out of ten, I mean, that, that looks pretty good. I think I'm never going to forget Dave Doran's comment after the Wake Forest game when he said, Kelvin Harmon has to be open. And I was like, no, he doesn't. Right. He does not have to be open. He can he's going to make the catch. Yeah. So uh, he's definitely going to be missed. He's been one of my favorite uh, players to watch here. Um, but good luck to him. Yes. And uh, he's going to be one of many state players drafted. We'll talk about more, more about that in the spring. Um, one last thing on football. It's going to be a big off season. You got coaching uh, uncertainty with Dwayne Ledford might get a look for the App State right head coaching position. Des Kitchings, the running back coach and recruiting coordinator, right. He's always getting looks uh, from SEC schools. Uh, and then you have Eli Drinkwitz, who's pr um, who could look to move up to like an SEC offensive coordinator spot or um, maybe a mid-major head coaching job. Right. Um, so we'll see what happens there. <laughs> yeah, I think State's success next season is going to, like, the way they've been able to replace players, you know, four yeah. defensive linemen last year drafted. Well, now, what if your coaches are gone? Are they going to be able to replace those coaches? You know, Ledford's meant so much to this team, and if he has the great opportunity to go coaching job at a great school like App or somewhere else, like, how are you going to respond to that and bring somebody in, like, just maintain – 
Like, don't go backwards. You can't go backwards at this position. You know well, what I'm saying? Yeah, Dave Dave Doran's one of his strengths as a as a head coach has been hiring assistants. Right. Seems like every time you lose an assistant coach, you got he gets one. somebody who's as good or better. Right. And I mean that's not always the case. Like Ryan Nielsen was the defensive line coach. He went to the NFL. And he hired Kevin Patrick, who's a good coach. He's not as good as Ryan Nielsen, but nobody's as good as Ryan Nielsen. So I think it's going to be the same kind of thing with Dwayne Ledford. Nobody's as good as Dwayne Ledford, but he's still going to hire a, a fully capable um, assistant. And then I think, I mean, Drinkwitz and Kitchings would be would be big losses too. Right. But, I mean, we'll see. It's still in the early stages yeah. of, of what's going to happen, so there's really no way to know uh, who will leave and who will stay. But... I mean, I always say it. Assistant coaches are never around forever. They're just not. Right. I mean, anytime you get an assistant coach, a good assistant coach for four or five years, that's a, that's a good run. If you're, especially if you're at a school like NC State, because a lot of times they move up to coordinator, head coaching spots, or they can go. I mean, if Georgia wants to come get one of NC State's coaches, they can easily outbid NC State, and there's nothing you can do. That's right. So um, you just get them for as long as you can, and then when they leave, you gotta, you know. Try to hire somebody else who you think might be uh, the next, the next big thing. Uh, so we'll see what happens there. And then you have Jacoby Myers. Uh, he's going to have a decision to make on the NFL. Uh, the deadline is January 14th. Actually, I looked that up yesterday. Um, what do you think about his decision? Ah, I think it's kind of a toss-up. You know, part of me is like with Harmon gone. Even though he doesn't play the same receiver position, he might get even more looks next season. You know, being the most experienced receiver. But also, I think he's done enough to get drafted probably, I don't know, what do you think, fourth? Oh, he would surely get drafted. Yeah, I was surely I drafted. I think in somewhere in the first four rounds, probably third or fourth round, if I had to I just think put a number on it now. Yeah. And so you're at the point where it's like, well, if someone's going to pay me that much money to go play football, I don't want to risk another season. You not know, getting paid. Not getting paid and possibly getting hurt. So there's a lot of angles to look at for that, you know. Yeah, I think third or fourth round would be a best-case scenario for Jacoby this year. I think the crazy thing is he and Kelvin take away from each other. Right. So what are his numbers going to look like if, you know, Kelvin's not getting 80 receptions next year? And um, Right. I'm, I agree with you. It's a toss-up. I could see it going either way. Um, last year, Naheem Hines decided to leave because he was told that he isn't going to be able to boost his value anymore. And I could see that being the case with Jacoby. Um but then again, if with Kelvin gone, maybe Jacoby can move outside some and show that right. he can be a receiver out there, and that's where that's where the wide receiver money is. Right. So um, I'm with you. I could see it going both ways. Um, but if he leaves, State won't have a senior on offense that's yeah. a returning starter. Tyrone Riley is the only guy, and he's a he's been on defense. This is his first year on offense. So if Jacoby Myers leaves, it's going to be a really really young offense. But, I mean, we'll see. I don't blame him if, if he goes. I no. don't blame him if he stays. If he stays, he's going to rewrite the record books, though. That's for sure. That's right. Um, and with a new quarterback, he'd have a chance to be the man. Uh, I think that pretty much covers it for football, at least for this week. Yeah, with no game, I think yeah. we talked about it enough. Yeah, I think so. Uh, moving on to basketball, State beat Vanderbilt 80-65 to um, last week. And uh i guess that was state's best win to date if you don't want to count the wisconsin game which was a win uh um 
Uh, did you watch that game? It was right I, after the football game. Yeah, I was trying to watch the second half on my phone. Of course, Alabama-Georgia was on the big screen. Yeah. You know, it was a, that was a great football game. So, yeah. I mean, Vanderbilt was going to live, and they definitely died by the three ball. They were just going to stick to it. I mean, three for 22. Vanderbilt. I mean, that, that's pretty much the game. So Vanderbilt, not Alabama. Did I, I said Alabama? Yeah. I meant to say Vanderbilt. I'm yeah. reading Vanderbilt. I'm looking at it. So Yeah. Three for 22 from three. I mean, State. State not much better, only five for fifteen. But the way Markel Johnson was able to score the ball on Saturday fifteen in a row was in incredible. Yeah, I mean, I knew that he could score, but when the, uh, they announced he's going to move more to the point position instead of Braxton, I was kind of like, I wonder if he's going to try to score as much. And the answer is definitely by far yes. Now, mm-hmm. I mean, he's definitely going to look to score, but also didn't give up anything else. And like, still, what was it? Seven assists. I mean, that that for any point guard without scoring. Uh, that's a good day. 19 points is really good. So he can do it all. That crazy stat where he scored 15 points in like two and a half minutes. Yeah. That was ridiculous. That really blew the game open for State. Because yeah. it was close there, even like six, five minutes ago, it was like four points. And well, was, State looked good in the first half. Really, really good. Yeah. It was a double digit lead at halftime. And then the second half, for about 15 minutes, it was ugly. Yeah. And State was barely holding on to the lead. Uh, but like you said, Markell took over, and that was that. Um, Funderburg had a really great half. First half first shooting. Half, yeah. The way State's able, like, even with their five position, the center position in Funderburg to spread the floor, it's incredible. I think that's how you can get away with playing four guards if you're able to spread it even more and have the center, you know, kind of outside the pain in the 10 to 12 foot range. And that's what we've seen Markell be able to do when we've got the center not clogging up the inside. The offense is like, well, let's just go to the basket because it basically turns into one on one. And if a defender decides to come help, then State's able to kick it out and knock down some three-pointers. So that seems to be the game plan going forward. I think they've done it really well so far. Yeah. I think it's tough to ask much more from the basketball team than what we've seen so far. Right. You agree? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, you go to toe-to-toe with Wisconsin, you, you outplay Wisconsin. Um, and other than that, you've dominated every other team, really, except for Mercer probably. Um, so that was – that was a good performance, definitely down in Miami, uh, a good neutral site win. And now you've got Western Carolina, who's terrible tomorrow, um, before you pick it back up. Ten days off, that's a really long time. I don't know what I'm going to do. Yeah, finals coming up, they want to give the boys some time to Usually uh, study it's just a week, stuff. though. Well, normally, I feel like in the past state plays because they don't have finals on that first Wednesday of finals. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It was and so they can get day. away with kind of playing there and playing on a weekend, whereas Carolina goes six days straight and doesn't play all week. They might play on a Sunday. So State normally kind of throws one in there, and this year there's not one. You know, you go all the finals, the 10 or the ten days, whatever it is, without a game. So that's kind of yeah. interesting. It's going to be boring for us fans. Yeah. Um, Maybe they want the students to work on finals also. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I won't be doing that anyway. Yeah, no. So, uh, And then you got uh, Penn State, who's – uh, if you look at the Ken Co- Ken Palm rankings, excuse me, uh, they're in a similar spot to State, uh, so that should be a good matchup up in Atlantic City. And then you have Auburn coming to town, and that's the big non-conference game. Um, I would say worst case scenario, uh, you want to split in those two. Yeah. Um, it's going to boost your strength of schedule regardless because it's 351 out of 353 right now, and that's got to get better. Yeah. It just has to. Uh, they can't do this non-conference schedule thing again. Um, but we've talked about that before. We won't. We won't uh, rehash that. Egg. No. Yeah, we won't rehash that. Uh, I think State's gonna win both those games, though. Right. I don't know. I mean, I'd agree. I think State definitely has the talent to run with anybody, and if you can run with anybody, you can beat just about anybody, especially if you catch them on an off shooting night. 
So if they can control the tempo against Auburn and make them play the way State wants to play, I think they have a really good chance. Just knock down a few more jumpers here or there that, you know, we yeah. saw in the Wisconsin game, one or two jumpers away from from actually, you know, winning winning the game points-wise. So. I mean, Auburn's going to be tough. Don't get me wrong. Right. But the way Keats always That's right. got his teams ready for big games last year uh, makes me feel pretty confident. And we got to give a little due to the women's basketball team. They're number 10 in the country. Uh, they came in preseason, I want to say, number 16. And then uh, they're 8-0. No. Yep. Point, point guard Kayla Ely uh, isn't playing. Is She's out for the year this year. Um, never played a game, got hurt in practice. So really unfortunate for her. But the way States responded um, without her, I want to say States won every game by double digits. I'm not sure if that's 100% correct. But um, – yeah, we can go look at it real fast. But I think they're playing just great basketball. Uh, oh, Coach, sorry. Okay, <laughs> Coach Westmore, uh, I mean, he's got them playing great. Even responding well, I was kind of watching the Michigan State game and then the Michigan game, where it was really close there for a long time in both. They were able to pull away at the end, and that's what you want from teams. You know, at the very end, you don't want to. You obviously don't want to slow down. You want to speed up and make free throws and put it away. So they've been able to do that well. 8 and 0. Yeah, yeah so Michigan good. State and George Washington were both single digit victories. But other than that, every game's been um yeah. by more than 10 points. And then if you look at the upcoming schedule before ACC play, uh you've got Hampton at 10:30 a.m. tomorrow. That sounds awful. Uh <laughs> mostly cuz it's at 10:30. Then you got Georgetown, Maine, Chattanooga, uh and Davidson before you face Duke. So I mean, that looks that looks like it could be could be undefeated headed into ACC play. Right. Um, and some tough teams in the in the ACC this year. Obviously, yeah. always Notre Dame and most of the time always Louisville. And I forget who else is up there. but Well, Florida State's always got a good yep. team. Miami's usually pretty good. Uh, Duke and Chapel Hill have faded the last couple of years, but they're usually solid. Yeah. Um, so I think it goes the same for women as it does for men. Like the ACC is obviously the best conference in America. Yeah. I don't know if that's actually true for the women. I just feel like it is. It, so. it, it is true. It's pr if not true, it's pretty close. Yeah. So, um, but kudos to Westmore and those guys over there. They're doing um, uh, really good work and just another excellent hire um, by Debbie Yao. And you know how important women's basketball is to her because of uh, Kay Yao. Um, anything else? What did you think about the playoff? Did you think they got that right? You know, I think they did. I heard a lot of people giving uh uh, a lot of crap about Notre Dame being in. And I know that I think they played, they definitely played their best game of the year, the first game. I thought I watched them play probably six or seven games against Michigan. I thought they played really well. Yeah, They were just able to move the ball. I thought Michigan was actually going to win. So, And then, um, you know, you didn't lose to anybody, and you've got the national brand. And, you know, well, okay, but what does that have to do with it? You're picking. It's the best all about teams. the money. You know, it's all about the money. And yeah, so I know, but that shouldn't that shouldn't go into. Well, who do you, you want to put there and said you want Ohio State or no, I wouldn't. Georgia? I thought they got it right. I'm okay. Just, yeah. Yeah, I I think they also got it right. I mean, it's hard to leave out a 13 and 0 Notre Dame. You know, you could have left out a 13 and 0 NC State or a thir or 13 and 0. I don't know some other name that's not Notre Dame. You know what I'm saying? So. You're not losing out, leaving out an undefeated conference champ. There's no no chance. Okay, but you're trying to get what I'm saying. Just yeah. like the name Notre Dame, and then you see thirteen and zero. Well, that's that. Yeah, it helps for yeah. sure. But there's a lot of people arguing for Georgia to be in. What do you think about that? 
you know, I thought they played really well Saturday or best they could have. Uh, they slowed down a little bit there at the end against Alabama. They were probably the, the fake punt away from maybe even taking it to overtime. I still think Alabama scores even if uh, they yeah, decide I to cut the ball. That. I think Alabama wins either way. So, uh, And the LSU loss, like, it's not bad, but it's two losses when – I mean, who were they going to jump? I mean – that, yeah, you know see, saying? that's where I'm with you. Like, if their only loss had been to Alabama and it's by one touchdown, oh, they're in I completely sure. agree. Put them in. Yeah. Take Notre Dame out. That's, who I, that's yeah. what I would have done. That's fine with me. <clears throat> but I think the loss to LSU is the one that hurts yeah. them. And the way Oklahoma was able to to beat the team they already lost to, exactly that that looked really exactly. good to me. They win the championship, and they beat the team they lost to. Like, And they only lost by three the first time right. around. So there's no you, there's no argument. This was the easiest playoff they've had in years. I agree. So, you know, if Georgia doesn't lose to LSU, especially by three touchdowns, you got a different argument. If Ohio State doesn't get boat raced by Purdue, then you got a different argument. Right. But both of those things happen. Yeah. So, um, I think we both agree uh, that they got it right. Um, let's see. Anything else? Boy, it might snow this weekend. Did you see that? Yeah. We were talking about this earlier. Yeah. I don't Okay, we were, I'll believe uh, it when I see it. Yeah, I, was, I mean, I've we've I think we've both lived here all our entire life, so that's like that's what forty two years ish of experience. Forty one, so yeah, I'm twenty. I, I don't know how you are twenty one or twenty two. Twenty two, yeah. Yeah, so forty two years of experience. Not once have I seen it like snow this early as in the year. As much as yeah, it, I've seen it go to like it hadn't snowed until halfway through February, and even then yeah. I'm kind of like yeah, it probably won't snow. So I'm really I'm really the Debbie Downer when it comes to snow. I'm just like yeah, it's not gonna snow because. A few times, the all the forecast is set upwards half a foot a foot, and we'll just get an inch, and it's mostly ice. And so, right. you know, you'd rather have no snow than ice. So Yeah. The biggest thing is they never, like, the measurements right. projection is w- always way overboard. Yeah, just because the way the – it's always too warm here, and then you've got the whole deal where the moisture – freezes and then melts and then refreezes and there's always that transition zone where it could be rain it could be ice or it could be a lot of snow and you have no clue where you're going to be and it could just move really fast like a snap so and the bad news is it was 70 yesterday yeah so the snow is not going to stick oh absolutely not but it kind of be nice to look at it'd be really wet but yeah yeah i agree i guess we'll see uh, we'll see what happens. We could take predictions on that, but probably not. So. Yeah, my prediction is it's not going to snow. I'd agree with that. <laughs> it might rain or sprinkle, and that's probably about it. So. Maybe some flurries. Anything else? Wow, it's been – I know we have one more show, but I think it's been a pretty great semester. So. Yeah, I think so. It's been a good football season. Yeah. We'll talk more about – we can talk more about football next week. Have some uh, – go through some questions and such. Uh, but that'll do it. Yep. That'll do it. All right. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Howler. Thanks for listening to The Howler, a service of PAC TV. Find out more at go.ncsu.edu slash sports.